Hello, everyone, and welcome back to NATO's Road to Madrid, the CSIS podcast where we're breaking down the main issues on NATO's agenda ahead of its summit in Madrid this June. My name is Sean Monaghan. I'm the UK Visiting Fellow with the Europe, Russia and Eurasia program at CSIS. And I'm Pierre Marcos. I'm a French Visiting Fellow with the Europe, Russia and Eurasia program at CSIS. On Friday, May 6th, Sean and I sat down with Union General David Jodazda. He works at the NATO's Allied Command Transformation and oversees a crucial part of the Alliance's efforts to envision the future of warfare and adapt itself accordingly, the so-called digital transformation, or the process by which the Alliance integrates new technologies into its plans, capabilities, and operations. Lieutenant General Gelasda was kind enough to spend some time with us explaining his work at the center of this effort, how these digital tools and new technologies will help NATO soldiers on the ground, at sea, and in the air, and how all of this may be incorporated into the Alliance's new strategic concept in June. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Today, we have Lieutenant General Dave Julazda, who is the Deputy Chief of Staff Capability Development in NATO's headquarters, Supreme Allied Commander Transformation, or ACT. General, welcome to the podcast. Uh, I wonder if you could start by telling us a bit about your background uh, and about what exactly is NATO's Allied Command Transformation, ACT, and what are your roles and responsibilities there? Excellent. Uh, well, uh, thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, very excited to be here today. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm uh, F-16 pilot by trade, spent uh, a good portion of my career uh, flying F-16s. So have served on several staffs across uh, the United States uh, military. My most recent job was at uh, Headquarters European Command, where I served as the, uh, the J-5 for two years and then the Chief of Staff. I started here at ACT um, about six months ago, uh, and uh, my role as the Deputy Chief of Staff for Capability Development is, is developing common-funded capabilities for the 30 nations of the Alliance. That's really what I do, so let me back up and talk a little bit about ACT itself. ACT is uh, Allied Command Transformation is one of two NATO strategic commands. So obviously you've got us and you've got Allied Command Operations or ACO based in Mons, Belgium. Back in 2003, NATO reorganized its strategic commands by function instead of geography and established headquarters ACT in Norfolk, Virginia. While ACO is responsible for the planning and execution of the Alliance operations, executing today's fight, ACT is responsible for developing future warfighting concepts and developing capabilities required to achieve that future vision. Uh, so that's kind of the big picture of what ACT is and does. Thank you. That, that's really helpful, General. ACT, clues in the name, transformation. We're talking about transformation today. Uh, one of ACT's work streams concerns digital transformation. Could you tell us uh, what exactly that means, um, what is the purpose, and what does NATO hope to achieve through this digital transformation? Yeah, sure. So 
broadly, digital transformation is about embracing and incorporating new technologies across the full spectrum of capabilities, uh, mindset, training and education and processes. Uh, so if, I think the best way to illustrate this is through a, through a basic example. As a, as a world embarked on its technological revolution, the Alliance took an evolutionary approach by digi digitizing and connecting platforms. But we really didn't change our processes, our training, our mindset. In other words, we, we network enhanced our platforms and processes, but we haven't taken advantage of, the, of what the digital world can offer. So uh, let's, use a, uh, let's use an example of Blockbuster. So I think most, most of your American listeners will be familiar with Blockbuster. It's an American video renting company founded back in the 1980s. Uh, they established thousands of brick-and-mortar stores around the United States in the 80s and 90s. Families would hop in the car, drive to Blockbuster, rent a movie, bring it home, and then watch it on a very specific platform. Over the next 20 years, Blockbuster kept up with the evolutionary changes uh, from VHS to DVDs to Blu-ray to eventually videos by mail. By the turn of the century, new video industries emerged executing a revolutionary digital transformation and left Blockbuster behind, still using their platform-centric capability. Today, you and I can subscribe to Netflix or Amazon or Hulu and watch content wherever you are from whatever device you have. And in fact, you can transfer a movie in real time between platforms seamlessly. That is, you can access the data across multiple platforms. So today, in this digital transformation world, it's not about the device or the platform, it's about the content or the data. So NATO digital transformation is about transforming the alliance from a platform-centric to a secure data-centric organization. Great, thank you. And, and thank you for the, the blockbuster analogy. Uh, listeners in the, in, the, in the UK, that's a, a, a game show that they will be familiar with, but, but the, the analogy holds. So just to dig a little deeper in that general, if, if, if I may, could you just explain what, what might this mean to the, to the war fighter, to the soldier on the ground, uh, the sailor at sea, the, the cyber warrior in cyberspace? Uh, beyond them consuming more digital uh, movies, what, what does this actually mean? How will this uh, give NATO an edge on operations in the future? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> operationally, digital transformation will enable the alliance to securely move trusted data vertically between strategic and tactical levels and horizontally across all domains, air, land, sea, cyber, and space, regardless of the platform that genera generated it. From a capability standpoint, we are developing communication and computer infrastructure programs that will provide what we call the digital backbone that enables us to communicate. That backbone will set the foundation for all future C2 programs and enable the Alliance to connect our platforms, our people, and our processes seamlessly from the strategic to the tactical level. Executing a, this digital transformation will enable the Alliance to create secure, data-centric, software-based uh, software capabilities and services 
and enable us to quickly collect, share, secure, curate, and exploit data. Most importantly, I think digital transformation will provide our political leaders and our commanders additional decision space because we can see and understand the strategic environment better and enable us to decide faster. Absolutely. And, and we're seeing some of the, these themes play out uh, on, on the battlefield at the minute in, in, in the war in Ukraine. And we'll get to that later in, in the podcast. Last question for me before I, I turn to my colleague, Pierre. You hear a lot of talk about multi-domain operations. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and how digital transformation relates to multi-domain operations. Yeah, sure. So today we are faced with uh, peer or near-peer adversaries that are developing significant offensive and defensive capabilities in the space and cyber domain, for example. And with the proliferation of uh, smartphones and social media, operations in the information environment are, are certainly a game changer. And we can see that, as you said, playing out today in, uh, in Ukraine. In order to maintain credible de deterrence and ensure the Alliance wins future fights, we must learn how to create and synchronize effects across all domains and environments. Multi-domain operations and a multi-domain enabled alliance will uh, allow us to do that. I think the best is to share with you our, uh, our draft definition of MDO. We're still working on the concept right now, but from a definition standpoint, it may help, un help you understand where we're trying to go with this. So I'll, I'll read through it slowly. MDO is the orchestration of military activities across all domains and environments, synchronized with non-military activities, to enable the alliance to deliver converging effects at the speed of relevance. So the main idea is military commanders must orchestrate military activities in time and space to achieve the desired effect, right? If there are other entities from non-military or commercial entities that can deliver effects, so think uh, cyber and space, for example, uh, economic uh, um, effects, we must be able to synchronize the delivery of those effects with our military effects to ensure that we deliver the right effect at the right time and place. And then linking back to digital transformation, we must be able to do this at speed through secure networks and communication links and access to shared data. Well, this sounds, I think it sounds pretty simple in theory, but when you're operating across 30 nations, our biggest challenge is collaboration. But is, this is absolutely essential for the Alliance if we're gonna maintain a warfighting advantage in the future. Absolutely. I, I've heard people talk about multi-domain operations as synchronizing the whole orchestra better. And as you say, that's difficult enough to do in one nation or even in a single service, let alone across an alliance of, of 30. But uh, it sounds like we're going in the right direction. So let, let me hand over to Pierre to ask uh, some more questions. But I'll be back. Thanks. Thank you, Shannon. And thank you, General. Uh, I would like to, to take a step back and, and, and better understand how uh, this uh, work on digital transformation is incorporated into uh, the forthcoming strategic concept, which should be adopted by uh, all allies at the, Madrid, at the Madrid summit next June. And where does it fit uh, within NATO's broader line of efforts on emerging and disruptive technologies? 
Okay. So as you know, the strategic concept is is updated uh, regularly to account for changes in the global security environment and ensure the alliance is prepared for the future. Uh, and it reflects the consensus of all 30 nations. Next to the North Atlantic Treaty, the strategic concept is one of the NATO's uh, most important documents. It reaffirms our values, our purpose, and our strategic task. And it provides a collective assessment of the security environment and ensures relevance of the alliance. Our current strategic concept, crafted back in 2010, it served us very well, but it needs to reflect the new security reality we face. In 2010, the concept stated that the Euro-Atlantic area was at peace. Uh, but obviously, Putin's war of aggression against Ukraine shattered that peace. And the 2010 concept did not mention China once. Today, China's growing influence and assertiveness are reshaping the world and will have direct consequences for our security and our democracies. So the 22, 2022 strategic concept offers an opportunity to drive NATO's political and military adaption in this very different strategic environment. In April, the uh, NATO foreign ministers agreed that the 2022 strategic concept must address NATO's future relations with Russia and China's growing influence on allied security. The strategic concept must also address other challenges like cyber and hybrid threats and the security consequences of uh, climate change. In the end, the, uh, the content of the strategic concept is up to nations to decide. But there is a common understanding that we need to accelerate the digital transformation of the alliance. So I, I can't go into much more detail because that's still uh, in work at the alliance, but I think that kind of gives you the, the left and right limits of what we are thinking about in the, uh, uh, the strategic concept. Thank you so much. Um, one emerging and disruptive technology, which is often mentioned is, of course, artificial intelligence. Um, and I would be interested in your thoughts about how uh, this process of uh, transforming digitally uh, the Alliance is articulated with this new uh, technology and how ACT has uh, worked on this specific uh, technology uh, precisely. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Pierre. We're, uh, I think we're still in early days, but uh, obviously recent years we've seen an unprecedented acceleration of technological developments. Many of these are dri driven by the, uh, by the private sector, especially in the digital domain. Part of our digital transformation is figuring out how we integrate AI, artificial intelligence, into all our work, from interlinking devices to sifting through terabytes of data to conducting advanced analytics. We must take advantage of technological advances in order to maintain a strategic advantage. So the first step was uh, NATO's artificial intelligence strategy uh, that was uh, recently published. Uh, and it's aimed at accelerating adoption of artificial intelligence and ensuring and enhancing interoperability. So here at ACT, we're currently pursuing some innovative solutions through development of software, concepts, and demonstrators. Uh, but like I said in the beginning, we're still in the early stages of uh, utilizing or learning about and how to utilize uh, artificial intelligence. No, I would be interested in, in your thoughts about the, the potential obstacles to this uh, work on, on digital transformation. Uh, you already mentioned that collaboration among 30 allies was challenging in itself. 
that there are other potential uh, stumbling blocks, notably the risk of a lack of interoperability among uh, allies if some of them uh, move faster than others on, on, on adopting these new, new technologies. So what is your view on, on the potential uh, stumbling blocks in this process and how NATO and ACT in particular are uh, trying to overcome these, uh, these problems? Yeah, that's a that, that's a difficult question. So, I, I think I think our biggest challenge today is not the lack of platforms, as I alluded to in the beginning, but but our inability to share data between platforms, and between all levels of command, and then finding a way to exploit the millions of terabytes of data to generate insight and decision quality information at the speed of relevance. So so back to your question, the obstacle. Digital transformation is not sexy. A, squ a squadron of shiny new F-35s on the ramp is sexy, but our ability to share information across domains is critical for tomorrow's fight. So if we want to do that, we have to understand that we have to invest in things uh, that may not be sexy, but are absolutely critical for future success. Uh, and obviously interoperability is, still remains essential for success. But I don't see this as an obstacle. I think uh, right now there's broad agreement that we need to create an open architecture system so that all nations and contributors can, can essentially plug and play, much like we were talking about in the Blockbuster example. As far as speed of transformation, uh, this challenge is not new. There, there will always be nations that adopt and adapt faster, and, and others will be slower. Uh, the key for us at NATO at, at the senior level is establishing standards, uh, data standards, architecture standards, AI standards. And from that point, nations then decide on their own at which pace they, they can execute. If I may, I would have a follow-up question, but feel free to, to answer it or not. But isn't it also a risk of of, of cyber vulnerability in this process. Uh, you mentioned this shift toward a, a data-centric uh, model. Uh, do you expect uh, vulnerabilities in that regard and how do you, how do you try to, to cope with it? Yeah, cyber is always a, a very large concern considering uh, the proliferation of capabilities, not only in nations, but uh, private uh, companies and in, in industry. Uh, so we do have to be very careful how we secure our, our capabilities, uh, our, our data storage, uh, how we share data. Uh, this is one of the main concerns, and we're working very carefully with our uh, CIO to ensure that we uh, protect our data. Well, General, uh, I'm really glad to hear that you and your team are doing NATO's dirty work on uh, standards, architecture, digital transformation. Uh, and it's this, as you say, it's this behind-the-scenes work that uh, will enable the future NATO warfighters to be able to do their job. Uh, you mentioned uh, obstacles to, to progress and the difficulty of nations keeping pace with, with one another across an alliance of 30. Um, let me ask you about one initiative which NATO has designed to help overcome this, uh, and that's the DIANA initiative. And uh, let me do the hard work for you here. DIANA stands for the Defence Innovation Accelerator for the North Atlantic. Um, I think there's going to be a, a hub in the UK for that and possibly elsewhere. But could you tell us about DIANA and what NATO hopes that will bring? Yeah, absolutely. 
as I, as I think about Diana and the need for Diana, I, I, I look back at uh, the civilian market today uh, and, and thinking about cyber and space, what's happening in cyber and space right now, right now outside of the military. There's a lot of activity going on, a lot of new technologies, a lot of new capabilities, and rapidly emerging and progressing. These same technologies and capabilities are also available to our adversaries. Therefore, the Alliance must leverage technology wherever possible, and that's what they decided at the uh, Brussels summit last year. They said, we need to create something that allows us to take advantage of these capabilities, and that's when they, they created Diana. Diana's intent is to bring defense personnel together with startups, with uh, scientific researchers, technology companies, uh, to solve critical defense and security challenges and harness the best uh, of the uh, new technologies. Uh, like you said, Sean, I, th I think there are some regional offices uh, in, uh, in Europe, probably in the UK, and one in North America, I, th I believe in Canada. And it'll include a network of about 60 different innovation sites around the theater. Diana will concentrate mostly on uh, emerging and disruptive technologies such as uh, AI, like we were talking about, big data, quantum-enabled technologies, autonomy, biotechnology, uh, and other things too. This is a great opportunity for what, what, what I see is asking industry to help us solve our problems, and that's effectively what we've done here. Uh, and then taking these solutions and pushing them to the warfighter as quickly as possible. Absolutely. That, that makes sense. Uh, NATO, you know, 30 nations, uh, those nations are some of the most advanced, have some of the most advanced industries, technology industries uh, in the world. So this makes sense uh, to help NATO extract as much value as possible from, from those industries, that knowledge by linking uh, researchers, private enterprise together. Uh, that makes that makes a great deal of sense. Can I move on to some of the capability implications of, of all of this work and of digital transformation in particular? We talked earlier about the you know what this all means for the warfighter, but what about uh, you talked about we won't be you know uh, dependent on platforms to the same degree, but there's there's still you know it's platforms, it's tanks, it's ships, it's planes that, that do that deliver strategic effects. Could you talk about the future capability implications of uh, the digital transformation efforts? Yeah, that I don't know that I have a perfect answer for you, but I, I believe that as, as we kind of talked about the past capabilities of, of ships and tanks and, uh, and aircraft, those things are still going to be needed. But the key for digital transformation and the key to future warfighting is being able to link all these things together. And to do that, I need the capabilities that allow me to do that. I need the systems, the technology, the comm uh, and IT infrastructure that allows me to do that. That's, where the, that's the capabilities that we are working on. When I say Air C2, I'm talking about air command and control capability that allows me to link all the aircraft to other aircraft from all the nations. When I talk about maritime C2, same thing, ships to ships to ships, all nations, all types of ships. And then when you look at the overarching infrastructure uh, of capabilities required, I need to be able to link all those domain specific capabilities with each other. 
So all of those things will eventually plug into a, uh, a single source, if you will, a, a common operating picture, if you want to think about it in those terms, uh, so that it doesn't matter where your ship is, where your tank is, or where your airplane is, they can all talk to each other and share data uh, across the system. Now you have uh, essentially, I'll call it global situational awareness of everything that's going on in the battle space. Absolutely. It goes back to the, the, the glue that holds all of NATO's capabilities together. And it's, it's the digital backbone, the, you know, being able to conduct that orchestra in, in, in the best, most efficient possible way. And again, we see this playing out on the ground now uh, in, in Ukraine with the war there. We see the importance of resilient communications, of command and control. I wonder if you could tell us, you know, even though clearly it's too soon to draw any definitive conclusions about operations on the ground, about what this means for the future of warfare and NATO's capabilities, but are, are there any aspects of the war in Ukraine that you're paying attention to, in particular with NATO's digital transformation in mind, uh, be it from Ukrainian forces, Russian forces, or, or even from NATO's uh, efforts to assist Ukraine and, and to bolster its its presence in Eastern Europe. Yes. Well, that's great to hear. <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> Pray tell. There, there are a lot of lessons that we are identifying. Some things, uh, both on our side, on Ukraine's side, and and uh, on on Russia's side. And we've got a uh, one of our elements that works for ACT is called the Joint Analysis and Lessons Learned Center in, in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, the JALC. Uh, they are collecting all this data from ACO and from our partners to understand the environment and what is actually happening on the ground. Uh, the, so that process has started. We're collecting the data. Uh, I think uh, if you asked ACO, you asked General Walters, he would give you some very specific details. But I think at this point, uh, much of that is still classified uh, as we gather it. But we will, once, once we gather the data, we'll work with think tanks and industry and academics to really study it and figure out what the, what the future would look like and how digital transformation could impact or affect uh, how we move forward. But uh, I'll, just, I'll give you a quick peek of where my mind is right now. As you know, Russia attacked Ukraine using capabilities in all five domains. Uh, that's something they haven't done before. Uh, and it's something that we, NATO, need to keep in mind, uh, that we must be able to deter and defend in all domains in the future. And the only way to do that, as we talked about in most of this podcast, is transforming our digital capabilities so that we can connect and communicate across all five domains seamlessly. Well, listen, General, I, I, I understand that much of the lessons uh, being learned are, are classified, but thank you for, and, and rightly so, but thank you for sharing what you, what you can. I think we can all leave this conversation assured that that process is, is well underway and NATO is watching this conflict uh, very carefully. So with that, uh, it falls to me to, to thank you for uh, spending time with us today and telling us about NATO's digital transformation. General Jalazda, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much, uh, Sean and Pierre. I appreciate the very tough questions and uh, look forward to hearing your future podcasts. Thank you to Lieutenant General Gilazda for joining us and to our listeners for tuning in. Thank you also to the team at CSAS, to my colleague, Colin Wall, our lead, lead researcher and coordinator on the project, and to our editor, Alana Nevins. 
If you like what you heard, please check out our page on the CSES website, subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, and leave us a rating and review. See you next time.